0: Welcome to Improbable Walks, a podcast that brings you to the streets of Paris wherever you are. My name is Lisa Passold, and I'm a writer and traveler who loves to walk in the City of Light. Every episode, we stroll down a different block of the city and explore the history, people, stories, and architecture of the street. Today, we're walking down the Rue Berton, a street in the one-time village of Passy that's now part of the elegant 16th arrondissement of Paris. We're starting beside the Seine, to the west of the Eiffel Tower. We're standing on the busy boulevard that borders the river, at the start of the Rue Dangera, named for the Turkish capital city, Ankara, because the Turkish embassy is located here. The street was actually built over one of the famous natural springs coming from the hill here in the village of Passy. These days, the Rue d'Ankara is known for the small but aggressively 1970s glass turrets of the Turkish embassy building. It was designed by Henri Beauclair in 1976, and Beauclair claimed that the construction materials speak for themselves, making no concessions, yet remaining unobtrusive. I don't entirely agree that they're unobtrusive, but they certainly speak for themselves. There are also a few remaining hints here of an 18th century chateau which belonged to the princess of Lamballe, a close friend of Marie Antoinette. The chateau became famous in the 1850s as a mental asylum, run by the celebrity doctor Blanche. French poet Gérard de Nerval, famous for strolling with his pet lobster on a leash, was treated here as well as writer Guy de Maupassant, who died here of complications from syphilis. In fact, the Dr. Blanche was not necessarily a good doctor at this mental institution. However, he was extremely famous, even if he wasn't very successful with his treatments. In the 1800s, this part of Passy was still very much a country village, If we turn left, even today, from the Rue d'Ancara, leaving behind all these buildings, we find ourselves in a narrow, cobblestone alleyway. The passage is lined on either side with rough, grey stone walls, and suddenly it feels as if we're miles from the city of Paris. We could be walking down a little street in a village in Normandy. This is the Rue Berton. To our left, the hill leads down to the Seine, and to our right, houses rise above us built right into the hill. As we walk along, we come to a boundary demarcation between the old village of Passy and the old village of Auteuil. These were both villages incorporated into Paris in 1860, but the old demarcation stone is still here in the Rue Berton. Right close to this stone is number 24, Rue which is a green wooden door, a porte cochere, that leads into the house where the writer Honoré de Balzac lived in the 1840s. If we walk through this door, we find the small courtyard of a three-story house. It still feels very much as it did back in Balzac's time. Because of the hill, the main entrance and garden level apartment is upstairs on the top floor. And it's this garden apartment where Balzac lived. He moved into the five rooms of this building on the top floor in 1840, and he lived here for seven years, finishing his greatest work, the Comedie Humaine, which is a series of novels with interrelating characters. The house is surrounded by a lovely garden. Today, we have a superb view of the Eiffel Tower just across the river. But of course, when Balzac stood here, the Eiffel Tower didn't yet exist. In his time, there were still grapevines here in Passy, and occasionally the writer would pick lilacs and violets in his garden to send to his beloved, a married Polish countess. Balzac and Eve Henska spent 18 years writing passionate letters to each other and finally got married after her husband died. Balzac wrote 90 novels and novellas. He liked to write in his study here, Looking Out at the Garden. He often was cozily wrapped up in a white cashmere dressing gown, a very practical choice because I can tell you, garden-level apartments in Paris are often cold and damp. I speak from experience. Balzac had a very intense work schedule when he was trying to finish a novel. He would get up at midnight, write until 8 a.m., have breakfast, work until 5 p.m., have dinner, go to sleep for a few hours, then get up again at midnight to start all over again. Not surprisingly, he was a heavy coffee drinker. Balzac used to say that his novels were fueled by coffee the way gunpowder fuels a battle. While the writer lived here, there were other tenants on the lower floors and everyone shared the narrow staircase leading down to the courtyard that leads to the Rue Berton. This was ideal for Balzac because the writer was often in debt. Those cashmere dressing gowns cost money, you know. To escape his creditors, he would only open the front door to people who knew one of the secret codes he'd given them. If you were one of his friends, you would arrive at his door with ridiculous spy statements like La saison des prunes est arrivée. Plum season has arrived. If you didn't have one of the secret spy lines to give the housekeeper, Balzac would run down the central stairs and escape out into Rue Berton, avoiding his creditors. Balzac was a very social guy. He was good friends with author Alexandre Dumas, the best-selling author of novels such as The Three Musketeers. Dumas was the son of a famous revolutionary general, General Thomas Alexandre Dumas, who was the first black man to be a general-in-chief of a European army. The writer Dumas fought racial slurs and stereotypes all his life and used some incidents from his father's eventful career to become melodramatic moments in his novels. Balzac was also good friends with best-selling novelist and hard-working woman journalist, Georges Sand. They had a very argumentative friendship. Balzac thought Sand was a terrible prude and Sand called Balzac nothing but a beast. Sand loved to walk through Paris. She was well known for her habit of dressing in men's clothes when she went out because it was cheaper and much more practical if you were going to walk through the cobblestone mud of Paris to be wearing men's boots and trousers rather than the impractical hoop skirts of the 1800s. Over the years, Balzac based several of his fictional characters on sand. The most obvious is a woman named Felicity, who wears trousers and smokes a hookah. Their friendship lasts until Balzac's early death in 1850. He was only 51 years old, and he probably worked himself to death. He once boasted of writing for 48 hours straight, with only three hours sleep in the middle. His apartment here became a museum dedicated to his writing in 1960. The entrance is still upstairs at number 47, Rue Renoir. But I really feel that this entrance from the Rue Berton gives us a much better idea of how the house felt when Balzac lived here. Given how much the writer loved coffee, it's appropriate that last year the museum put in a lovely new cafe so the next time you visit Paris, you can sit in the garden admiring the flowers and sipping the writer's favorite caffeinated drink. If you enjoyed this improbable walk, please subscribe to the podcast. In the next episode of Improbable Walks, I'll be strolling through the lovely Palais-Royal, talking about some of the amazing people who lived there, including my favorite French author, Colette, and the Chevalier saint george who was a renowned swordsman, composer, he taught music to Marie-Antoinette, and the first black colonel in the Revolutionary Army. Please join me for that. Subscribe to get updates. For details about today's podcasts, how to spell the names of the streets, historical figures in today's episode, and a map, please visit my website, lisapassel.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, see you in class.